Welcome to another episode of the Spoon Mob Podcast. This week I'm joined by Amy Elizabeth Spassoff. She's a food and beverage photographer based out of Cincinnati, but she's done a bunch of different work for places up here in Columbus, most recently the Hollywood Casino, places in Kentucky, Indianapolis. She's traveled all over. I really wanted to have on a professional photographer to talk about kind of their career, their experience in the industry, and how it relates to food and beverage. She's known mainly for in-motion beverage photography, which is kind of pouring of a cocktail or a cocktail being set down on a table or a bar counter or whatever and kind of splashing. So it's really awesome photography that she's kind of found this lane in. And then she does other stuff too as well. I mean, portraits and and everything too. She's done stuff for the Reds and I think Dave Chappelle too when he was doing concerts out in Yellow Springs during COVID and everything like that. So we kind of talk about her career, you know, how she got into photography, different equipment she uses, what she recommends, you know, what's the most important aspect for a photographer, people, you know, they're hobbyists or amateurs wanting to get into the profession, things like that too as well. It's really interesting and, you know, I'm super happy that she was able to come on and one of the days that she didn't have a, a photo shoot and um, chat for, you know, about an hour or so about her career and everything, just kind of nerd out on the aspect of photography. So it's something that I do in, in my free time. Um, I mainly use, you know, my cell phone, but she's obviously a professional, so she's got a whole setup and the differences between kind of what she's doing and, and how that relates to like people that use, you know, cell phones for photography too. We kind of get into that. And what she would do with Instagram, you know, if she was in charge. And I think Instagram is something that pretty much everybody uses, which is another aspect of why I wanted to have her on, just because we all see photography kind of every day, but we don't really realize it. That was kind of another aspect that I was super interested in, in covering with her. So you can find her on Instagram at Amy Elizabeth Photog. Uh, you can also check out her website, amyelizabeth.com. All her previous work is up there contact information. Um, if you're interested in getting in touch with her about potentially setting up a photo shoot and all that stuff, feel free to reach out to her directly. Um, she's always looking to kind of take on new clients if it fits within her profile and everything. So if that's something you're interested in, make sure to contact her directly. You can reach us on Instagram too as well. We're on there at SpoonMob. Check out the website SpoonMob.com and make sure to follow the podcast wherever you get your podcast from. Without any further delay, this is my conversation with Amy Spazoff, a professional food and beverage photographer based out of Cincinnati, Ohio. Cool. Well, thanks again for coming on the podcast. I kind of first discovered you through Instagram, following some of the accounts that you've done photography for, like Sundry and Vice and Goose and Elder and a few other places too, Barceso and crew, but you've done a lot. You're based out of Cincinnati and, you know, we haven't had a photographer on the podcast, somebody who's kind of specializes in food and drink photography like yourself. So super interested in having you on and learning more about how you got into that and everything and where you're at now and, and what you're doing. But, you know, definitely want to start at the beginning. How did you kind of first get involved with photography? Was it just like a hobby and then turn into something else or was it your career that you fell into? In junior high, everyone had the, it was pre-cell phone, but everyone had these things called click cameras and they were really thin. They had a like a dial of film. There were 15 exposures, I remember. And we all had them in junior high. <clears throat> We'd take pictures at lunch and, you know, recess, stuff like that. And I despise having my photo taken. Absolutely despise it, which is ironic, but you'll find in a lot of photographers feel that way. So I, of course, at that age, wanted to be part of the group, but I didn't want to be in the photos. So I realized if I'm the one taking them, 
then I don't have to be in them, but I'm still involved. I kind of just, I knew how I was uncomfortable in front of a camera. So I had kind of an easy way of making others feel comfortable in front of the camera. And it just kind of came from that. So it all started because I didn't want to be in photos. I never studied photography, but I just, I grew up with it. Um, I have my my dad's old camera bag from when he was young. So I kind of just fell into it from that. Studied English literature uh, because I wanted to be a lawyer. But then my first day at a law firm studying for my LSAT, I realized it's basically a lot of making copies and not anything like Law and Order, the TV show. I got into um, writing and that got me into the advertising world. And this whole time I'd always just had a camera on me. And I happened to take a photo at a friend's wedding reception that caught other people's attention. And they said, you need to do this professionally. My friend Tracy Conrad said, no, we're going to do this. And so I started shooting a lot of events around the city. One day I got a phone call from a friend and I had been shooting for local magazines as well. So I wasn't just doing events. That was just kind of what got me into the world, the creative world. And um, so a friend called me who's a public relations company owner. And he said, my photographer for a shoot, had um, an emergency. Can you be at Sundry and Vice at two o'clock today? And this was back in 2016. And I took, I was only photographing one cocktail. It was for El Decor magazine. And that was it. It all clicked together. That food and drink was what I excelled at. And it just all went from there. And I've been with Sundry since 2016. And the rest of the Circle Hospitality um, bars Yeah, I kind of just fell into it. It just, when you know, you know, I guess. (laughs) It's so funny because there's quite a few people that I've talked to that have gone either the lawyer or like med school route. And then they wind up for whatever reason, you know, they just decide like it's not for them. It's just something about it, you know, is not what they thought it was going to be. I remember, you know, one person, they started going on like medical rounds and they're like, I'm doing a lot of paperwork. I'm not actually like curing sick people. Like it's not like the TV shows like you described. You went to University of Miami for that and, and graduated and everything. Do you look back on, well, what if I would have just gone to photography school? Would that have made sense at all? Yeah, definitely. Any school with a really good creative um, department, um, such as DAP at UC, but there was a photography major at Miami. It, it was something I never thought of. I didn't, it never crossed my mind to to do that, honestly. Um, but then again, I was 18 years old and how many people really know what the world is at 18. I think growing up the way I did, it was just, there was this obvious linear path to what you're supposed to do. And not that I was ever pushed on that. It was just what I was surrounded by. And it just wasn't for me. And I think a lot of artists feel that way. I'm sure when you're talking with restaurant owners, um, chefs, chefs to me are artists as well with food. So I think we're just the older you get, you're just more drawn to kind of what what you love and figure out how to how to live with that and how to do that. It's not easy, of course. Nothing good is, but it's just I, I couldn't do anything else. It's just my life. Would you say photography schools are like worth it for somebody that'd be interested in pursuing a career in photography? Or based on what you know, is it just a lot of like real world application, like going out, taking pictures, like finding a mentor, would that be kind of a better route? Since I didn't go to 
in art school, I can't speak on that a hundred percent. No one really can either way. But I think that I think education is always the best route to go into. I don't think you necessarily need a degree, but I do think if you don't study it, you have to study it on your own. I have taken a one course in photography actually just a few years during COVID um, because I had the time. I was in a meeting with a client and actually had to sign an NDA. They were a very well-known worldwide brand. And so um, they were using terminology that I just didn't know. And I thought, you know, I need to I need to learn these actual terms for things. So I, I did go take a class for that. I think just like any art, you have to, um, it has to be really innate to you. When I look at something, I, I know right away how I would photograph it to kind of fit the vibe of, of what we're going for. So I think that can't be taught. You can teach someone how to play an instrument, but there's the, the people that are wonderful at it. There's just this innate feeling that they have, they know what to do. So um, you can teach skill, but I don't think you can teach the desire. You know, I don't know of any, but I mean, not that I've ever really looked into it, but you mentioned UC, but like, are there any schools that do have great like photography programs that, that you hear about with all your friends and connections in the industry that are like somebody, you know, should look into that if that's the route that they were going to go? That is not something I have a ton of knowledge on. I mean, I think... The best place to start is if someone is young. I believe that most high schools still do have an, a photography class. I know we had it in my high school, and um, I believe it's still pretty old school. I mean, you're you're doing film and you're learning how to develop film and stuff. But I think that's the best place to start. You know, you got to learn the history of it all first. But there's lots of um, courses you can take. Um, definitely, the most important thing is just. What I tell people all the time is you don't need the camera I have. You're not going to get your money's worth out of it. Buy something basic and just start photographing things that catch your eye. And it doesn't matter if it's an overturned garbage can. It, it doesn't matter. Like there's something about it that's interesting to you. Just start taking it. But definitely, I mean, I'm, I study every every day. I have a chance. You know, I'm constantly reading up on different photographers, the history, um, artists I love, um, just in general. I mean, I was reading about Basquiat last night and just what interests you. I mean, I'm the most boring eater in the world. <laughs> I'm like a boring vegan. And yet I photograph food. It's interesting how things come together. People always say, oh, don't you get so hungry on shoots? And isn't it so great to be able to try everything that you photograph? And I'm like, you guys know I'm vegan, right? I rarely eat anything when I'm shooting, but I will always try a cocktail. I've definitely tried more cocktails in, in the Midwest than most people. So when you first kind of get started, you know, you mentioned you were doing some weddings and, and stuff like that. Oh, no, no weddings, no events, like um, charity events. I've actually done two weddings. One was a surprise to all the guests. It was a couple who had been together several years, all their kids, they were all living together and they decided what are, let's just get married at our holiday party and surprise everyone. So I thought that would be fun. But then another was a friend who's been with his partner for 23 years and their photographer, I guess, got sick a couple weeks before. And I said, they convinced me to do it. So, but that was at their house. So no, I've never done weddings. I think that is a whole different skill set, much of which is personality, um, really calm individual. It's just not me. <laughs> so you're doing events and stuff and you started your own business. Essentially, I think it was like 2008, right? You started your own photography business officially. 
when did you know, like at what point did it get to where you're like, okay, I can actually start my own business out of this instead of it just being like do an event here or there on the weekends and stuff like that? No, right away. I knew I could. Um, it was just starting climbing up the hill. I knew I could. I knew it was something that was going to happen. All the pieces fell together. And so I was I was working full time as a writer until 2014. And I was working nights and weekends shooting. When I was laid off from my writing job, um, our company was purchased by another and massive layoffs happened, of course. I was like, okay, this is the time to do this. I did um, nanny for three years for a good friend of mine, um, just like 20 hours a week. So I always knew that I at least had the mortgage covered. (laughs) And then I just, every other minute was spent working and getting new clients and pushing myself. So I did that until, let's see, I went full-time, full-time, I guess around 2018. And that was, then it's been full-time ever since. Couple years before that, I think you had like your first editorial image was published. I think it was like 2016, right? That was the Sundry and Vice. Yes. That's when I was like, this all clicks. It's food and drink. Do you remember what that feeling was like? Like that kind of big break feeling? Like, um, I wouldn't say it's a big break. You know, I, um, I definitely, I might be in the minority here in this, but I, I like that it takes a while. I want to earn every step. Because I've I've earned it, and so, but the, definitely the feeling when I walked into the bar, it was I just automatically I, I felt the like the energy of it. Looking at the drink, I knew exactly how to shoot it. I I just I I got it just all clicked, and so after that, I was like, this is it. So yeah, I mean, it was absolutely amazing, um, and I was so grateful for that opportunity. But then it's like, okay, let's 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 get to work here. And um, not make that a one-time thing. But yeah, it was just the kind of a moment of like an aha moment, I guess you would call it. You've photographed for a bunch of places. I'm not all sure what I can mention, but like professional baseball. I think you've done some stuff for Sundry and Vice, uh, some of the Jose Salazar restaurants down there. So I mean, you just did some stuff up here for a new restaurant sporting club that opened some celebrities you've you've done some stuff for too as well. Yeah, so I'm I do a lot in Columbus um mainly with the group Peerless. They currently have three restaurant bars on High Street and Short North in Columbus and Parlay is their latest open and then I've also been shooting for Hollywood Casino in Columbus as well um and that will continue. You shot for a bunch of places. I mean, even Cincinnati, Pleasantry, we've had some people on the podcast from and, and stuff too. But do you ever look back on like your list of clients and the people that you've kind of shot for? And like, does that help motivate you to see like, oh, I wonder who else that's like as big or or maybe, you know, bigger or more well-known that I could wind up working for? Or like, how do you approach expansion of clients and like your Rolodex? Anyone that, you know, runs their own company will will probably be nodding in agreement with this. You just have to go out. You have to just do the work. You know, I'll go into places. I will send mailers. I will send emails. I was down in um, the Caribbean in December and I was at this beautiful bar in old San Juan and it's called uh, La Factoria. And it was amazing. And I was had my camera with me and I 
said to the owner, I was like, Hey, do you care if I whip this camera out and, you know, have it, have him make a drink and blah, blah. blah. And he, so I just will ask, I mean, the worst they're going to say is no. So that's, you just have to, you have to be very self-motivated. No one's going to hand you work. You just have to keep working. I'll just ask people. I'll just call up places. I'll message them. I'll, you know, find the person to talk to at a magazine and say, hey, let's, let me send you some stuff. How important are like connections? <laughs> everything. Absolutely everything. In today's world, I don't know how, when we were kids, you know, you'd, you know, you'd, the family would get the newspaper, right? And there were huge sections for employment, right? And it was very easy to find work because here you go, come in, you know, and these days it's not like that. And so what I do is I just, I do what it was like when I was a kid, you know, just go into places, call agencies, stop into agencies. I have a print portfolio, you know, I have my iPad on me that has all of my digital portfolios on it. Like you never know when you're going to meet someone. You never know when you're chatting with somebody. I'm, I'm very chatty. So I'll be at the grocery store and I'll start talking to people in line. But one time it was the new marketing manager for a restaurant group. And I didn't know who she was, but you better believe I had my card on me and I showed her some of my images. <laughs> I think it just always had to be prepared, always had to push for yourself. And yeah, you have to, you can't be afraid to ask your friends, Hey, you work at such and such bar who would I talk to about getting in there to, you know, to shoot you're, you have to, you have to do it yourself. You have to make all your own connections. So do you have to know huge high profile people? No. Would it help? Of course. But let's say you want to, you know, you have, you're finishing culinary school and you want to work at a great restaurant. Do you know someone that works there? Are you buddies with the bus boy? Hey, perfect. There's your connection. You know, so you just have to kind of think about who do you know? Who might you know and who do you know that might know someone else? Um, and you just can't be afraid of asking. It's not, you know, you never want a handout. I don't want any handouts, but could you introduce us? You know, that's it. There's like a, like a, I don't know if you call it independent sales part of it. Oh my gosh, huge. I mean, yeah. I mean, I think, I think that's one thing that I have learned um, of individuals that went to art school is a lot of them don't kind of teach the business side of it that's where I think a lot of people struggle. And it's not easy, of course, but if you're not going to push for your yourself, who's going to? So I think that's something that a lot of individuals who want to get into the creative industry don't realize, you know, very often is, is it is, it's still a business. If you don't want to do the business side, then you have a, a wonderful hobby. You know, you can't just throw photos on social media and expect clients to call you. Now, are you going to get a lot of interest from Instagram, um, especially Instagram since it's photo based? Yes. Are you going to, you know, if a client calls and says, I'd love to work with you, I love your work, do you know what to say afterwards? Okay, listen, here's my website which is up to date. Let me send you a CV. Let, you know, do you want to speak with clients who I've already worked with? Here's their contacts. You know, can I send you over a contract now? Do you have all that stuff ready? I've met so many people that are like, oh my gosh, I love your work. I, I shoot too. And I'm like, well, here's my card, all my info on there. I'm like, let me get yours. Oh, I don't, I don't have one. Well, what's your website? Oh, I don't, I, it's, it's not ready yet. Okay, well get it ready. You know, no one's going to do it for you. 
it's a lot of business work, but when you love, I mean, I love what I do, every aspect of it. So you have to be your own like champion. You can't expect other people to do it. Have you encountered any of those like electronic business cards in the wild that you see like advertised where it's supposed to be like they tap your phone or whatever and like you have all their contact information? I had a friend asking me and I was like, I know they exist, but I have never seen one used at all. Yeah, I've, I've seen that. I, I think it's, in my opinion, it falls under the same category of a phone number calls you and you don't know who it is. You're not going to answer it. Or you get a text from someone that's like, here, click this link. Like, I'm not going to click on that link. What are you going to give me a virus? So to me, it's like, I don't want you accessing my phone. Now, my business card has a QR code on the back, goes straight to my website. And when COVID happened and people, the mass public got used to QR codes from restaurants and such, that's when I added it. Because I was like, okay, now enough people know what this is. But I, but also my business card has images on it. So it's visual. Um, I want someone to see my work right away. Like they hold it and they're like, oh, this is cool. Where'd you take this? You know, so I think that they're interesting, but I wouldn't want to have one. Yeah, that was kind of my response too. It seems like a good idea, but I'm just like, I think everybody would just kind of prefer the physical card. It's weird. It's such like a 1950s thing, but I don't think that's anything that's really ever going to change, you know? Yeah, I think the thing is, is that if you give me something electronically, I'm looking at it and then it's just going wherever it goes to live, right? If someone hands me a business card, I'm going to see it when I clean out my pockets or when I'm in my wallet, like I'm going to see it again and again and again. So I think having something that's physical and also it's tactile. So you're not only looking at it while you're listening to me tell you about myself, but you're feeling it as well. Like, Yeah, it creates more of a connection because there's another element, the touch element. And it also, some people get like nervous too. So it like, there's something in their hands. So it like, it kind of relaxes them and makes them listen more. Like there's a whole thing to it. That's a good point too. Yeah, I like that. Absolutely. So I do. I think that a lot of people don't use print portfolios anymore. I still do. With a large print, you can't have any errors. Showing you that it's like, you know, looking at a two inch screen. Oh, that's great. But when you make it a print, does it still look as good? Maybe not. Maybe it's going to look better. So I'm a little old school, I guess. I think it's appreciated. I would say that you're known for in motion imagery. Kind of, I think some of your most well known, most seen photos are probably in motion imagery, especially cocktails. Is there like a technique or strategy to kind of capturing something that's moving? Or is it just kind of like, luck of the draw, like might have to do it three, four times before you get it. You know how like you look at like a basketball player, right? And makes this insane dunk and you're like, oh, it looks so easy. And then you try to do it and you're like, oh, what? I can barely get a foot off the ground. But to that player, it's super easy. To me, like movement, it's the easiest thing in the world for me. Like I just kind of see and it just makes sense to me. So Yes, sometimes you have to do it more than once because it happens, you know, or maybe I don't like the way like berries fell or I don't, the splash maybe came up and is covering something that it shouldn't be, that I don't want it to cover. But most of the time it's just kind of, okay, one time and we're good. But yet then there's a photographer who can shoot a landscape and 
of buildings and make it look like the most beautiful thing. I can't do that. Movement with food and drink is just what is natural to me. I can't explain why. To me, it seems like in motion photography is pretty irregular. And like you're saying, it's pretty difficult. So that might be why it's irregular. Does that make it also kind of more memorable when someone sees it too? It kind of goes back to the thing that we were talking about with the business cards being like multi-sense layered. I think movement just kind of, it's like puts you in the moment, I think, and it makes it interesting. And it makes, I think you look at those images longer. Maybe someone just thinks it's cool. Maybe someone likes the arc of the liquid. Maybe someone is thinking, is that real? Or is that Photoshopped? I'll tell you, it's never Photoshopped. I wouldn't even know how to do that. I just, I think it's interesting and it's just what I like to do and it's fun. And I think it shows a more of a personality than just something just sitting there. Now I have lots of images that I think are my most beautiful that there's no movement. I don't know. It's just fun. It's fun. It's a lot of fun. It's fun when you show the bartender who made the drink, the image, and they're like, oh man, that looks so cool. You know, because that's what we're doing it for. I mean, these people put in so much hard work creating these recipes and creating, working on their craft. It's like, my job is to make your hard work shine. That's what we're doing here. So it's, I like it. It's pretty cool. It kind of makes their product come alive to me. You brought up a good point too about like the drinks and stuff being real, where there's a decent part of the population that doesn't realize that when you see these images on any big fast food chain, like when they take photos of their food, the ice cream is actually like mayo because it doesn't melt and they use like glue instead of actual mayo. And, you know, they're doing all these kind of crazy things to make it look a certain way. So it's, you know, advertising and peeling. But then when you actually get the product, it doesn't actually look like anything that you saw in the photos or on the billboard or the menu or anything like that. Yeah. Every once in a while, you'll get lucky and be like, oh, wow, this looks like a photo. <laughs> I mean, there's, I always use real things, but yeah, definitely. I mean, I'm shooting on location at restaurants or at bars. So that is the plate that's coming out of the kitchen made by the chef that's going to be making your food. I do think there's a more realistic expectation. I mean, is it going to come out, you know, and now are they going to pour flambe right in front of you and, and sparks fly? Probably not because that, you know, can't do that all the time in a crowded restaurant, but it is real. Yeah. I mean, all the food's real. I mean, there might be some, you know, strategic toothpicks, you know, somewhere, <laughs> but, but it's real. You could eat it. If one of those big conglomerates like ever reached out to you about doing a photo shoot, like, would you ever do one or is just the aspect of having like real ingredients, real food, like that kind of your thing? I would definitely, I would do it because it would be a great experience. It might not be something I would want to do twice. If McDonald's called, I'm, I'm taking that phone call. It just might not be for me though, you know, after I do it, but, but had photo shoots and I'm like, mm, that just wasn't for me. And, and that's okay. But I still did them. A lot of people ask me, they're like, you know, you're not like a, a meat eater. How do you photograph? I'm like, that's nothing to do with it. Just because I don't eat it doesn't mean someone else doesn't want to. I don't really have any limitations on that. I did always, the one thing I would never want to photograph is like, like a roast, like something on like a spit. That's probably the only thing in the food world that I wouldn't want to photograph. When you're going to like a shoot and like you're starting a new shoot, do you look to capture like 
one perfect shot like right away do you have a warm-up process or is it just like every time you're go to a new shoot you're like i want to see if i can get this done in like one shot what do you mean by one shot like like you're gonna take more shots of the subject right do you have like this competitive thing with yourself where you walk into a new shoot and you're like i want to see if the first shot that i take is the like the final shot that we wind up using kind of thing. So it's almost like you did it in one shot, even though you're going to do, you know, like 30 more. No, I mean, I always will take a backup because what you think looks good might not when you really look into it, if you don't have backups, but I'm not someone who's going to take like 800 pictures. I don't have the time for that. And neither does the client. So I definitely do my homework. I know what I'm going to do before I get there. I know pretty much what's going to happen. You know, I might be shooting, you know, 20 items. I would say usually the first image I take is the one I use, but there's plenty of times where I'm like, I just don't like how this is looking. Let's come back to this. There's some things that are just never going to photograph great. Um, it usually comes down to the texture. Um, in my opinion, um, guacamole, not the most attractive food, right? It's a texture thing. So yeah, it's usually the first shot I take that I, I, yeah, when I'm thinking back when I'm going through editing, yeah, I'll take maybe like four or five shots of something and go to the next. But that's what clients are paying for, that I come in prepared, that I know what I'm going to do, that I'm going to do it quickly, going to take up as little time off of their already busy schedule as possible. You come in, you have a plan, four or five shots of each thing. You do like five, 10 things, then out. They don't have to like cook another plate or anything like that. I'm always really clear. Like when I go into a shoot with a new, let's say a restaurant, and I always want to talk to the chef right away. Just say, look, this is the timeline. What's here's all the items. You put these into whatever order is easiest for you from your flow of the kitchen. You know, one item every five minutes. Like, don't, I don't want everything at once. Things settle. So I just kind of go over a, li a list of stuff and then ask, you know, the chef if he has any thoughts on anything, if he's looking at this and needs to change anything. So for me, it's a very collaborative process. And we just kind of make sure that we're on the same page and then get going. What's the most important part of a shoot? Communication. Absolutely. Know what your client wants. I'll go into some place and they're like, you just do what you do. I'm like, okay. That makes me a little nervous because the fear is that they're going to be like, well, we wish they looked more like this. And I'm like, I wish you had told me. <laughs> so definitely, um, if you don't know the person, yeah, communicate. And I'll say, do you like these? Like, why is it me that you, that you want to photograph your stuff? And they might say, oh, I loved what you did here. I'm like, okay. So that's the look you like. And sometimes they'll say, can you shoot these like this? And I'm, and I'll think, I'm not the person for you. You want something that's a different style than mine. So, you know, go with somebody who has that style. You know, I can't shoot something. I'm very bright and I like shadow and I like movement and it's very crisp. So if you tell me you want something else, well, then, then a different photographer is for you. You know, um, we all have our own styles. It's like going into a, a McDonald's and asking for a Whopper. Like you just need to go somewhere else. And there's no harm in that. I mean, it's all just artistic differences, you know. Don't expect a steak at a salad bar.
Is there anything that you look for specifically when setting the background for your photo shoots? Like, do you go to the restaurant like beforehand, a couple days before and kind of look around on like the, the walls and stuff like that to know what you can use for a background? Or is that you have time like when you're there for the shoot because you're waiting on the chef to, to prep stuff? Yeah, there's not always the opportunity. I mean, I look, especially if they're in a different city, I'll definitely look up, you know, on social media and I'll look at usually the photos that other people took. Like on Instagram, like you can look that up where they've been tagged and just kind of see the space. Um, if it's a new space, you know, there's plenty of places I shoot for that aren't open yet. So the building isn't ready yet. We, you know, the, the focus is the food. So if if it's just a sparse room that's not decorated yet, that doesn't have tables and, and painting done and everything, you I just focus on the food, you know, I'll just do it all. Some, a lot of places have great old floors. So I just kind of know when I walk in, okay, there's a, we're going to use that. We're going to use that. But a lot of times, especially with plated food, you're going to do a lot of top downs anyway. So it's what's underneath the food is what's the most important. Yeah. I wouldn't have thought to shoot something on the floor, but it makes sense. But like, I think my mind is like, still like, but you're not eating it. So it's like, who cares? It's not like the average person is going to know it's the floor, but a lot of old restaurants have these beautiful old tiled floors or like wide plank wooden floors and they're great. And a lot of, a lot of tables these days are so covered with like a poly that they're super shiny and the floor is going to look better. It's not going to be like a shiny table is distracting. Yeah. Does that kick back the light and then you have to kind of work around getting like the, I don't want to say flashball, but like that flare out of there? Yeah. I mean, the shinier something is, it's going to, of course, reflect light. So you can still use it just setting your lights at the right angle. You know, sometimes I'll look at the floor and I'm like, oh my gosh, this tile work is gorgeous. You don't use it for all of them, but I'll definitely use them. Yeah. I think I'm just more observant. I don't know. I just kind of notice little things. So that's where it comes from. It's a lot of it's very innate. It's just what I see. So like with lighting, is it as simple as getting the light and kind of directing it at your subject? Do you prefer, you know, natural light versus an artificial kind of light post? Like how challenging, how important is lighting? Because I've noticed with your photography, like the lighting is really like crisp and bright, but it doesn't like wash out any of the rest of the picture. Um, and a lot of that's just experience. There's sometimes that I use natural light. It's very uncommon. You know, a lot of these shoots are, you know, it might be a full day shoot. And if you're going to use natural light, especially in the Midwest, you know, barely into spring, you don't have all that much time to do that. And what if you get to a shoot and you're going to use natural light and there's insane cloud coverage and it's pouring down rain? Well, you can't control that, but Yes, lighting is absolutely the most important thing. I mean, that's what we're doing as photographers. You're capturing something using light. I want a consistent look, and especially with clients that I have a you know years long relationship with. You know, everything needs to flow together, and so by using artificial light, I guarantee that the images from five years ago are going to have the same feel as the ones I take today. And that's really important for companies because they need that continuity. People need to know what to expect. So I almost always use additional lighting, especially if I'm doing any kind of movement because I need a really fast turn time. I can't, you know, you can't really make a crisp image 
you'll never see a, a magazine image from a national magazine that doesn't have lighting. You just won't. What are the qualities that make a great food photo? Well, I think, um, like I was talking about before, it's really important for me to be on the same page as, you know, not only the people that bring me in, but it's so important to have a, you know, a clear communication with the chef, him or her know how you work best and find out what they need from you. So I think that's the most important thing, but clarity, having it look real. I'm photographing someone else's product any kind of alteration in color. That's another thing about lighting is that you can capture something looking the same as it actually is. So light and clarity. Black and white photography, is that more challenging or less challenging than color? Um, I don't do a lot of black and white just because of what I'm shooting. I mean, I think a black and white picture of a salad, it's not as appetizing, right? Um, so I don't do a lot of it. I love black and white. I do a lot when I'm on vacation, I'll do a lot of black and white because I like the shadows and I like the grays, but no, I don't find it. I think black and white to me is more, um, a feeling that translates through an image. I don't know. I have to think about that. Do you approach black and white photography when you're doing it a different way, knowing that you need blacks, grays? whites, various shades versus you can't like rely on, you know, this bright green coming through or something like that. It's so much more subtle. And so if I'm shooting a black and white, I'll put my camera on black and white. It still actually captures the image in color because of the data, but it is, it's more emotional. I think it's more subtle um, because you're taking away the color you do have to be more conscious about composition. I'm actually looking at a picture right now on my wall that's in black and white. And it's one less thing to kind of rely on taking things away. You have to be more conscious of what you are still using, composition, texture. You know, in black and white texture shows, I think, much stronger. Realizing what texture is in your image, that's what's going to pop. Um, and is that what you want to focus on? And if it's not, then that's not the right photo. Will there always be a place for film photography or is it just too expensive compared to digital and just doesn't make sense? Yeah, I definitely think there's still, I'll shoot film every once in a while. I still have my first film camera every once in a while. I like it because you have to rely on, on your sense of like, am, are my settings correct? Right. Because you can kind of play around, like I always shoot everything manual, so I do all my own settings. And then when you're doing film, if you didn't set it right, well, you're not going to know until you develop it. So really having to know what you're doing. So I think it, it takes a lot of the easy out of it. Is my focus correct? Did I leave the shutter open long enough to capture what I wanted? I think there's still room for it, absolutely, especially in the high, like the high fine art photography Definitely. I don't think I could ever do it for work because people want to see what you're shooting. And I want to show, I want to show them be like, cause they'll be like, I don't know if this looks right. And then I'll show them the camera and they're like, wait, that's what that is. And I'm like, yes. They're like, okay. So people want to see it right away. Yeah. That's a good point. Cause you almost have to have like an inherent blind trust in the person if they're shooting film too. Like you're going to see this in a couple of weeks and probably forget 
everything that we did. Hopefully you still like it kind of thing. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think film is really cool. I like it a lot. What's the longest shoot you've ever done? Uh, four days. Was it like the entire menu or why was it so long? That was for an NDA client. The first day probably was just set up. I mean, it was, I would have, we had a full set design crew um, and just kind of taking snaps for the client. This was during COVID. So the agency was in New York and the client was in California. We were here. So just taking like quick snaps to show them what, how everything's looking. And then the first full day of shooting was 15 hours. No, I left at 4 a.m. So at 19 hours of shooting um, because it was all very small sets and little tiny things needed to be changed for each shot. So, yeah, I mean, yeah, there's some long days. What's like the worst or most like chaotic shoot you've ever done? Is there one? One comes to mind. No one was really on the same page. I was on the same page as the person who brought me in, but then there were other team members who were not on the same page. And so that was chaotic. I don't want to go into detail. I was on one shoot that um, all of a sudden there was this like loud noise. And then all of a sudden the light I was using, the ball burst and a flame came out of it. And what happened was, is that someone had overloaded the circuit. So the circuit blew and it blew a $500 bulb. <laughs> but I always have backups. So, but that was, I think harder on the client than me because they were so mortified. And I was like, look, we're good. We're good. I have another, like I always have backup everything except for a camera. You primarily use a Canon camera, right? Yeah, I'm Canon. What is it that you prefer about the Canon over a Nikon or some other brand? Like, why did you kind of choose to go with, with that? I, my very first camera was Canon and I just stuck with them. All the buttons are kind of similar in Canon world. And, and once you start purchasing lenses and, and such, you know, for me to go to Nikon now, I'd have to revise so much and it's just not worth it. So neither is better nor worse than the other. It's just, I always tell people like, whatever you start with, that's what you're going to stay with. Why relearn something on a comparable system? Is there like a camera model you'd recommend for somebody start now? What I normally tell people is like, especially if they want me to kind of help them along is if they go Canon, I'm like, if you buy a Nikon or Panasonic, I'm not going to be able to maneuver like settings on your camera because I don't know them. And I tell people just go get like a basic Canon Rebel. Nothing fancy. You're not going to get your money's worth out of something I use. You're not going to need it. Go spend a couple hundred bucks and start from there. And then you can move up. But don't spend a lot of money. I mean, the, my favorite photo I've ever taken in my life was with a pocket digital that I got at Walgreens. You know, I mean, so if you're just a hobbyist, it's not going to make a difference what really you use. But if you want my help, get a Canon. <laughs> Do you ever look back through your photos that you've taken from like years past and analyze them at all? Like what you could have improved on or what part is, you know, blurry or anything like that? Never blurry. Um, <laughs> but I cringe sometimes. I think we all do. It's like, oh my God, what? It's kind of like looking at pictures of yourself, you know, when you were a teenager thinking you looked so cool and you're like, oh my God, burn this. So yeah, um, 
I definitely will look at old images and I'm like, why did I do that? You know, but I also keep almost all, I have like four external drives that are almost three are full. Um, and I keep most of my um, raw images. So there's plenty of times I've gone back and kind of re looked at it. But yeah, definitely look back at stuff. I think, what was I thinking? And a lot of it is like, I don't know, just, it's just a learning process. The more you know, right? Yeah. And I mean, everybody's probably their own worst critic too. Oh, 100%. So I'm sure when you're looking at stuff, you're like, oh, why did I set up that way or something? But like somebody else could walk in and be like, that's an amazing photo. And you're like, yeah, but I hate this, this, and this about it. Yeah. As for, I'm tiny little things. Like if there's a speck of dust on a plate, I'm like, no, no, this has to go. It's all in the detail for me. So if I notice something that I missed, I'm like, oh, kidding me. And that's all I see. So, but I'm the kind of person that like, if I'm at a restaurant and there's a typo on the menu, I'll notice it right away. And I'm like, oh, so yeah, I just notice tiny little things. So if I miss one, it, it, it drives me insane. Do you think with cell phone cameras perpetually getting better, every kind of new model that they come out with? that that'll eventually replace like a full-fledged camera or the lens is just too small? I mean, cell phones aren't cameras. You know, a cell phone can take a picture, but it's not a camera. So, you know, I think then two things. One, the reason cell phone cameras get better is because actual cameras get better. So an actual camera will always supersede and always be better than a phone. Number two, a camera does one thing, captures an image. How many things does a phone do? Therefore, it's always doing other things. So, you know, a phone's a jack of all trades. It's not a it's not a specialist. Cell phone photos don't have raw data. You can't really do anything with them. You know, they're not they're not raw images. Can you print them? Sure. You can edit them with mobile editing things, but you can't upload it to your computer and use regular Lightroom or Photoshop. It's just they'll never no, they'll never replace it. Anyone who tells you they took that picture with their phone, yeah, they might have taken it. There's plenty of beautiful cell phone photography, but it's no, it's never going to be as good as a camera. It's never going to be able to do what a camera can do. Have you ever seen those billboards like Apple puts them out? Like we have one downtown here and it's, I think it's a picture of, I don't know if it's like a flower or like a pepper or something, but it's like shot on iPhone 13 or whatever. Is that real or is that they really took it with a camera, like an actual camera, and then blew it up and just say it's from the phone camera? Well, if it's a billboard, you're not going to be able to make a billboard out of it. I mean, it would be so pixelated. If somebody took the exact same photo with a camera, with an iPhone, or with like an actual camera, what would be the biggest like noticeable difference between the two images? Quality. Like depth and texture and stuff? For what I do, like food and drink, I've seen people use like portrait mode, right? On an iPhone. Thing about portrait mode is if you're shooting, like, let's say a champagne glass, all right, has the stem on it, right? A clear glass. Your camera, since it can see through the glass of like a stem, it's gonna like get rid of it. So, I don't know. I can always tell when something was taken by a cell phone. But it's just overall, you can just kind of tell like it's not as high of a quality, like the lines aren't as sharp, the blacks aren't as dark. Now, I'm not referring to like, there's some cell phones that have different, they have like the three lenses 
but a normal cell phone is wide angle. It's like four millimeters. Your distortion is crazy, right? I mean, I won't shoot below 24 millimeters ever because distortion, I mean, you can tell that like lines are curved on the edges. You know, it's just four millimeters is really, have you ever taken a selfie and you're like, that doesn't look like me? Well, it's because it doesn't. It's not going to. It's, it's, it's like whatever's in the center is wider because it's curved. Can you flatten it out? Yeah. Most people don't. Instagram? Like, has that helped or hurt the photography industry? I get a lot of clients from Instagram. I definitely, um, you know, it's, is it annoying when you see someone who has like 500 likes on like their pedicure, whatever <laughs> that they took, you know, on the floor? I, I don't know. But I mean, I, I think it, it expands who gets to see your work. And I think that it opens up the door to, I get, you know, I follow photographers from all over the world. And I think you get to see different styles and you can see different, what other people are doing. I mean, I like it. Do you think it's increased people's interest in photography or like, or do you think it's kind of also had the the adverse effect where it's like people think because maybe they have a popular Instagram that they are a photographer? I think that you're a hobbyist until someone you don't know pays you. Okay. Yeah. That's a good rule of thumb. That's kind of been my, like, how to explain it to someone. Like, I have a friend who's a model. She's works a ton and has for years. She has gotten annoyed with Instagram models. Like, uh, you know, girls saying, oh, I'm a model, I'm on Instagram. And I'm like, don't get annoyed because no one's paying them to do what they do. So it's a hobby. It might be a, a successful, like, a, a fun, great hobby for you. But, like, until you're working... I get completely what you're saying. I think that's a good line to separate the two. Yeah. And it has to be someone that you don't know. Like I didn't feel like I had my first real job until I felt that I was like a professional when someone that I was not connected to by someone else booked me. They found me as opposed to, oh, aunt so-and-so, my friend, you know? So that was the turning point for me was people I don't know, have no connection to me, want me to work with them. That was kind of the big moment for me. It was like, I can do this, like legit do this. Instagram recently has been pushing into the video space because of the rise of TikTok and everything. And, and Instagram's notorious for trying to siphon off as much as they can from other social media apps. Is that good or bad for photographers? I don't think it's bad. I think it's just a, I mean, I'll do some like video, but mine's more like cell phone, like behind the scenes stuff. Like people want to see that. I don't think it's bad. I think it's, I think that's more um, something that maybe someone who's in the cinema photography world might kind of get a little flustered with kind of the same thing as like, you aren't a videographer because you put videos on social media. You're a videographer because someone you don't know is paying you to do a video for them. Do you think or like worry at all that the photography aspect of Instagram will get lost uh, I don't think so. I think, you know, the next social media thing might be it's only still photos because people, you know, everything's cyclic. People, you know, the next wave of whatever generation they want to call it is going to be like, oh, my God, reels and videos are stupid. That's what my parents do, right? Like, I don't know. My niece is 19 and none of her friends have ever had a Facebook account, right? Because their parents are on it. So I think it's just all it's going to it's all cyclic. 
you know, it's going to come back to when like videos are stupid to teenagers. So that, I mean, that's the motive for, that's where TikTok came from was teenagers wanting something different. So no, I think it's fun. I mean, I, what I think is great about things like, like a lot of younger kids are getting into photography because of Instagram. And now a lot of kids are getting into like film because, you know, so it's, it's a pathway to kids that maybe didn't realize, Oh my gosh, I'm really good at this. Let me go to the next step. Any creative outlet I think is always a good thing. If you were put in charge of Instagram tomorrow, what would you do to fix it? I would take it back to chronological. Absolutely. I miss when it would say you have seen, like, I don't see most of the people I follow. I don't like how it is. I want to, I just want to see, okay, he posted, she posted. All right. I've seen everything that's new. I'm done. That's what I would do. I think people are tired of the algorithms changing. If you place money for an ad, then you're just in this spiral of having to keep doing it because they reward you. So I would like it to go back to the chronological and it's just what it is. And if people like it, the same, everyone's seeing the same, you know, everyone's seeing everything. Is there an apprehension in your experience by restaurants to hire a photographer? Because like the menu changes so often, so they don't want to, you know, spend the money on a professional photographer I mean, menus do change frequently, but usually just like at max four times a year. A lot of restaurants, you know, are using a lot of locally, you know, they work with a lot of local farmers. And so they're going off of what's available locally. So they are changing. But um, I think I actually had this conversation with um, a new client when I had to sit down just, just to kind of chit chat. They had not used a professional before. They weren't reluctant to do it. They just were, I think, financially reluctant to do it. And I just said to the owner, I said, you know, this is your life. Like this is, you're putting all of your time and energy into creating this business and you are doing everything you you have to do to make it successful. Why are you dropping the ball at the very end? People need to see your hard work that you've put into this and they're not going to see it if you don't have beautiful images of it. And that was kind of like a light bulb moment for him because he's like, you're right. Like why, who's going to know? There's so much competition. I think who's going to, who's going to know you're there if you don't have good images of it, you know, show off the hard work that you've done. It might sound like a big chunk of change, but if you put those images out there, you're going to make that money back, right? Because people are going to come in because like, oh my God, that drink looks amazing. Let's go tomorrow night. So are you really losing money? It's just an, it's an investment like, like anything else is. And I don't know. Sometimes I'm like, gosh, please just let me take a couple shots for you. And, and you can see that people are, you know, like, so that kind of hurts my heart and I get it. They're counting pennies at that point. But I think I think it's really important for bar and restaurant owners just to go in and have that in your budget. You know, do you have to do it all the time? No, but especially when you're just opening, have somebody come in, you know, let them see what you've done. That's just good sense to me. You're based in Cincinnati. How has the restaurant industry in the city changed since you've gotten involved? What do you think still needs to change? And then where do you think it's headed? We have an insane food scene in Cincinnati. It's really, I mean, a lot people will come here from other cities 
and just be like, I had no idea. I mean, I have friends from LA that have been here and they're like, I was blown away by the food choices. It's pretty phenomenal. Um, I think, I don't think anything needs to change. It just needs to keep going in the same direction it's been. I mean, we've got, you know, James Beard, you know, finalists, you know, here, multi-time finalists, you know, have cocktail bars that are, you know, Sundering Vice is, you know, been written about several times in the New York Times, you know, Esquire magazine just named Comfort Station, which is Sundry and Vice's sister bar, um, one of the top bars in the country. And that list is very particular. I think I think everyone here in that world is doing amazing job and just keep it up. And I think the city really wants the food scene to keep getting better and better. I mean, look what they did with COVID, you know, um, the city blocked out tons of parking spaces and made what they call streeteries, street eateries to have outdoor seating. And those have become permanent. So I think it's everyone's just kind of working hand in hand to keep the restaurant world alive and thriving. What's next for you professionally? Working on getting more national work because, you know, the world's opening back up again. Um, and travel. Um, some places still don't want someone to travel in, but you know, that's okay. You know, we still are in a pandemic. So just getting more national work, just keep learning and keep doing more. So this next question comes from previous guests on the podcast, Chef Marcin Kroll of Maison in Paris. What would be the ideal outcome for your career? Creative fields don't really have a retirement. It's just not the same. I would hopefully, you know, die in my sleep at, you know, 100 something having had a great shoot that day. <laughs> just keep getting um, to shoot for in different cities, different countries, and just keep doing what I'm doing. I mean, you know, it's not about the money. It's I love getting a great shot and being like, oh my God, look at this. Like turning to the chef and showing them. Like it's the greatest thing in the world to show them like, this is what you made. I don't know. I love that. I love that. I love seeing like the eyes of like a chef after they, I show them the photo of a dish that they spent months perfecting. Like that's the best. Cause that's what we do it for. To show them like, then that, like that looks like the best thing in the world. You want to eat the picture. What's a question you want to leave behind for the next guest? It's two parts, okay? Which food trend do you hope burns out quickly? And which food trend would you want to make a comeback? Like, and it could be an ingredient or like a style. Like, I personally don't like deconstructed food. I'm like, can't you mix it all together for me? So I think that's a good question. This next question comes from one of our listeners. What's the best way to get started in the photography field? I think you just pick up a camera and start shooting and find out what is interesting to you. Um, I think if you want to do this um, as your own business, you really need to be honest with yourself of, do I know everything that goes into this? Do I understand how contracts work? Do I understand how IP works, intellectual property? Like, or do you just want to take photos? Because if you just want to take pictures, then have an amazing, wonderful hobby that you love. But know that this is all on you and you're going to struggle and not everyone's going to like your work. And that's okay because my style is not everyone's style. And there's some magazines that would never book me because I'm not their style. And that's okay. Whatever makes you different, focus on that. Because a lot of people can take 
a good photo. Not many people can take a great photo. So whatever it is that you can take a great photo of, that's your market. And just just don't give up. I'm very lucky that I get to do what I love every single day. Shooting time is not much of it, right? It's the marketing of yourself. It's the calls. It's the editing. It's all of that, the homework. So if you don't love all of it, then it's just not for you. And that's okay. Have fun with it. The first thing I tell people, like, I want to get into photography. Okay. Do you have a camera? Yes. Have you read the manual? No. Okay. Come back to me when you've read the manual. (laughs) That's the first thing that people need to do. Read the manual. I can't harp on that enough. My manual goes with me all the time, just in case something weird pops up on the screen. I don't know what it is. Look it up because we've all been there. So a handful of more questions for you. We ask these to everybody who comes on the podcast. So a nice compare and contrast. Tweak these a little bit. Who would you say is the biggest influence on your photography career thus far, looking back on it? Whoever was most influential, whether it was a mentor, teacher, client. My friend, Tracy Conrad, she was the first one that said, you're going to do this and I'm not taking no for an answer. And the very first thing I shot for money was her birthday party. And I said to her, Trace, you don't have to pay me. This can be my gift. And she said, no, I'm going to pay you because I want to be able to tell you what to do. And I said, okay. And she just believed in me so much. And so Tracy, without Tracy, I probably would never have. She was, she was the push, the big push. So yeah, Tracy Conrad. Piece of equipment that isn't a camera every photographer should have. External lighting. Restaurant you'd recommend that isn't one you've shot for? So there's this restaurant in LA. I think there's three of them and it's called Greenleaf. And they have one on Venice, in Venice on Abbott Kinney. And that is the best, best lunch I've had in a long time. I was out in LA for a shoot uh, Super Bowl week and I popped in there for lunch one day and it was absolutely amazing. So Greenleaf on Abbott Kinney in Venice. Bucket list travel destination bucket list restaurant. So place you've never been, you want to travel to, place that you've never eaten at that you'd like to eat at. Travel bucket list is Terra del Paine at the tip of South America and sea kayaking because there are whales that give birth in the water. So if you're kayaking, they're in the water with you. And restaurant that I've never been to, you know, I've never been to Balthazar in New York and I've always wanted to go. So I would say Balthazar. Food or drink guilty pleasures or anything, candy, fast food, anything that like you know is terrible for you, but you just can't help it? So um, McDonald's fries, 100%. Um, I have a thing for root beer. And every once in a while, I just crave chocolate milk, almond chocolate milk, McDonald's french fries, and peanut butter M&Ms and Pop-Tarts. With root beer, what's your like your go-to root beer brand? Any of them. Doesn't matter. You don't have a favorite, so you like them all equally? Unless there's an A&W drive-thru. Okay. So A&W is your preferred then. A&W would be like if A&W called and they're like, we want you to shoot, I'll do it. I'm in. Person or place that you would want to photograph one day, but haven't yet. Well, place um, Cipriani's in New York is beautiful. Actually, you know what? The King Cole Bar at this St. Regis in New York is the most beautiful bar. You've seen it in a lot of movies. It's absolutely gorgeous. Look it up. That would be amazing. Um, Person, shoot. There's a lot of people I would love to photograph. A lot. Well, it kind of leads into my next question. So we'll take the place because the next question is, what's your dream photography subject, dead or alive person? 
Jerry Garcia. Would have loved to have photographed him. Absolutely. I was a deadhead in high school. So I, I saw him once. I mean, I was at a stop sign and he was on another, it was a four-way stop and he was the passenger in a car at the, like, to the left of me, like that intersection. And I almost went off the road. So his widow is from where I grew up. So that's how I happened to be in the same area as him. So yeah, that would be pretty amazing. But I've photographed some really amazing individuals. I think the, my favorite was um, Ely Wiesel, who um, is best known for his book, White Knight. He survived three Nazi concentration camps. And he was absolutely, there was something about him that was just so incredible. I, I, I don't even have words for it. It's like he knew things that other people didn't know. That makes sense. When you probably go through that, there's some sort of just life experience that you can't really communicate to people. There was almost this beautiful, like he had seen the worst and the best in people. He came out in the end believing in the best. And I think that's what was so, he was like enlightened. Speaking of enlightened, if I could ever photograph like the Pope, I mean, that would be pretty amazing. Favorite Instagram account you follow? Favorite Instagram account I follow? So there's one, it's called, um, I don't even know the full name. It's like a, it's like a good stories kind of thing um, that I love. And then I also, I love Imbibe Magazine's um, Instagram account because the cocktail photography is just so beautiful. They've used mine and I love their account. Their captions are really well written. So I like everything about it. I'm an Anthony Bourdain fan, but not everybody is or was. If you were, was there a moment, episode, scene that stands out to you about him? If you weren't, is there another kind of culinary personality that you were kind of a fan, whether it's Emeril, uh, people have said Julia Child or Bobby Flight, like anybody kind of in the hospitality, food and hospitality, you know, arena that you always kind of gravitated towards? I always liked Julia Child. And I think it was because um, when we were kids, we would imitate her voice. <laughs> but she was just always, you know, she, and like Enoch Garden, it, it's similar because it's like, just pour some in. You know, I like that whole just, you know, it's not just about the end result. It's it's about enjoying what you're doing and, and just really having a real love of just food and the ingredients and love sharing like, oh, did you know this? And, oh, this tastes better if you're drinking wine while you make it. You know, and I think that just just makes it more fun and enjoyable and it shows you so much personality of the person. So yeah, I like those. But I never watched a show and, and I thought about going back and watching it, but kind of just makes me sad that Obviously, you know, there were some demons he was fighting that he didn't win the fight against. And that's just sad. Yeah, it's kind of a common answer of even people that that did or were fans. Like there's a good chunk that are just like, I can't really rewatch it now. It's just kind of weird. It's like watching like a movie that has Robin Williams in it. It's just kind of sad because, you know, someone that brought so much happiness to other people couldn't find it himself. I think probably the only thing I've seen with Robin Williams in it was probably just like rewatching Goodwill Hunting or something like that. But like, yeah, there's a lot of movies of his that fall into that category. Where can people find you? Social media, website, plug, everything. So um, my website is amyelizabeth.com. And that is Elizabeth is spelled with an S, not a Z. And Instagram, it's amyelizabethphotog. So it's A-M-Y-E-L-I-S-A-B-E-T-H-P-H-O-T-O-G. 
um, LinkedIn, Amy Elizabeth Spassoff. And then on my website, there is a page that you can email me directly or my number is listed on there. So people can call anyone that's listening. If you are in the market for beautiful work, someone that's going to work with you, um, make sure everyone's on the same page. Definitely check out um, my work. If you want to talk to anyone that I've worked with, just go on Instagram and you know see. I always tag the restaurants. You know, Please feel free to contact any of those past clients and say, hey, how was she to work with? So um, definitely whatever you feel is best for you, definitely just reach out and we can always just have a chat and see if it'd be a good fit for both of us. Yeah, your photography is amazing. I mean, I know you're known for the drink stuff, the in motion and everything, and it's super cool. And and I can only imagine just, I mean, I know it's a natural talent of yours, but I can only imagine how difficult that would be to try and recreate. So probably make a mess uh, doing it if I was going to do it myself. But Sometimes we still make a mess though. I mean, definitely good to have, you know, some rags around, but yeah, <laughs> if you're going to make things splash, you're going to make a mess. The lighting is amazing too, you know, looking back through some of your photos and just how it like pops, but it, it just doesn't blur out any of the rest of the image, but it really kind of like highlights it too. It's really awesome work and it's a fun Instagram for me to follow and see what you're up to and looking forward to seeing kind of what other stuff you get to work with and for and and stuff you get to photograph because we're in the area so it's always nice to oh that's a new place oh that's what it looks like like it's cool to kind of get that view yeah another thing i think if somebody's um in the area definitely go on my page and you can see like oh that's a new restaurant i'm gonna go check that out so that's you know even if you're not somebody who's looking for a photographer but you're looking for a good place to go get a drink or something to eat yeah, it's another reason to check out the page and you can see what you might be ordering. Yeah, because like uh, Parlay, for example, you know, I knew it was opening, but I haven't seen any press from our local stuff about it. And I think, you know, probably your photographs were probably the first things that I saw relating to it, aside from walking by it in the short north. Yeah, it's a great new spot. Um, same owners as Gallup Park and uh, Fireproof. Yeah, they have a great menu and they have a little bit of everything for somebody or something for everybody and um, great staff and great location. And especially if you are into sports, definitely a great place to go watch games. I think they have 42 TVs. It's something like that. Yeah, it's a lot. I'm sure it was busy this past. Well, it was. We walked by. I mean, it was pretty busy with the tournament and everything. But thanks again for for coming on the podcast and indulging my photography questions and nerding out a little bit with me. Definitely looking forward to seeing kind of where your career continues to go. Thank you so much for having me. Again, a big thanks to Amy for coming on the podcast, taking some time on one of her days off when she didn't have a shoot scheduled. Uh, again, you can follow her on Instagram at Amy Elizabeth. Photog. You can also check out our website, amyelizabeth.com. Like I said, it's got a bunch of different photos from her work, different styles that she does, contact information if you're interested in setting something up with her, reaching out to as well. Like I said, she's always looking to take on new clients. She's done a bunch of stuff with Sundry and Vice, Barceso. She's done stuff up here in Columbus with the Hollywood Casino, the new sporting club that opened in the short north too as well. I think recently she just shot something for a new Mexican restaurant that's going to open. It's either in Cincinnati or just across the border in Newport and Kentucky. So she's constantly posting different images that she's taken for different clients and everything too as well. So it's an interesting follow just to see her style and, and how she's taking photographs. And, and it's always nice to, to see a professional do it. And then you can kind of pick up aspects uh, along the way too as well. So super happy to 
be able to have this conversation with her. But again, also follow us on Instagram at Spoon Mom. Check out the website, spoonmom.com. Make sure to follow us on whatever podcast platform that you use. That's it for this week. More episodes on the way. We will talk to you guys next Thursday.